Hi! Hey! Welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, and those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm K. Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. It began for me, well, it began with a question, and that question is what we'll explore this week on a very special episode of the show. It's the question that made me Catholic. Now, normally on this show, I have guests on every week where I sit down with me, talk about the Catholic faith, geared towards you guys who are listening to the show, to explain the Catholic faith with, with no fodder, no misinformation, no confusion from the heart of the church. But in this special episode, it's just me, little old me, and I'll chat for a bit about the question that made me Catholic. Well, why don't I begin? I wasn't raised Catholic, I wasn't even raised really Christian. I grew up in a nominally Christian household. And about the age of 15 or so, I had a crazy encounter with a friend of a friend who, well, he wasn't Catholic. He actually was Wiccan or something like that. But his heightened spirituality, his, his spiritualism, his, his uh, bent towards the, the mystical, the unknown, the, the, the strange, the more than I understood, got me thinking about what else is out there. Something bigger was really in control of the world and what that could be. Well, I became an evangelical Christian at the age of 14 or 15 or so and never looked back. I joined a Pentecostal church, joined a youth group, joined a number of Bible studies and midweek meetings and often was at church twice on Sundays. I loved the Word of God. I loved my faith. Not carried on right up into university and beyond. And I'm grateful for this, this God's grace in advance for me, and that many people I, I know, uh, friends of, of family friends, of kids of family friends, who lose their faith in university and college. Well, I didn't. God went before me in a, in a very powerful way, and I found this fantastic student church. It was a friend, hi cat, who found the church ahead of me. She was a year ahead of me in high school and went off to university a year ahead of me. When I came along, she hooked me up with this fantastic student church. I owe her a great gratitude, a great debt of gratitude, <laughs> for sure. Anyway, this student church was a lifeline for me. I ended up meeting my wife there and getting married, and we ended up attending this, the family church that sprung out of this student church. As those students aged out and became married and had families, we attended that church as well. So we were deeply invested in this church community. And it was here, while interning at the student church, after I finished my uh, undergraduate degree, before beginning my teaching degree, I spent a summer uh, interning at this student church, and it was under that pastor, a fantastic man named Dom, who I began to ask in these kinds of questions. And here's what happened. <laughs> Dom and I had a great relationship. He was a fantastic guy. He was he was Quebecois, if you know this, uh, Italian-French-Canadian. So maybe you can picture this kind of a, a character, uh, full of life, full of energy, had a great spirit, uh, a love for the Lord, a fantastic sense of humor, a terrible driver, but a wonderful human being. And Dom and I hit it off really well, and I was often his sounding board in different kinds of theological conversations. And he was at this time doing his master's degree, I think in patristics or early church history, and was kind of bouncing ideas off of me uh, now and again. 
Now, he was raised Roman Catholic in what was then very Catholic Quebec. But if you know anything about the history of Quebec, history of Canada, this once uh, bright light for Catholicism in North America is, is really the, 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 the heart, the, the, what do you call this, the heartland, really the, the beating heart of Catholicism in North America when you think of the early missionaries. Quebec had changed a lot and, and rebelled in, in a sense of, of secularism and pushed back against his Catholic roots in a major way, and now is one of the most secular areas of Canada, uh, uh, provinces of Canada, of, of all of them. But Dom was raised in this environment, and he was raised Catholic. And so uh, at some point, here he is, the pastor of an evangelical student church, uh, asking these kinds of questions about his upbringing uh, as he learns about church history and bouncing these ideas off of me. I was his sounding board. And Dom brought one of these questions to me. And the question was, and I can still picture the whole scene very vividly, his office. It was, I don't know, the mid-2000s, and so his office was really neat, an Ikea lamp, very dark and kind of brooding, and this kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if you can picture the, the, the style of the time. It was very hip, a very hip office. And here I am, sitting across this big clunky computer from him, and he asked me the question, he says, Keith, what do you think is more important, the Bible or tradition. Now, I knew right away the answer was the Bible, because, of course, if you've ever been to Evangelical Sunday School, and I had been, you know that the answer to every question is either the Bible or Jesus. <laughs> Just, these are the answers that you have in your stockpile of answers, right? And so I answered, uh, the Bible, of course, is the Bible. What, what do you mean? Uh, the question seemed strange to me. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't understand it. I, it wasn't really uh, on my radar, the kind of things I could think about. What was this tradition, right? So I the Bible, of course the Bible. And he said, well, Keith, where did the Bible come from? Who put the Bible together? And I kind of stood there or sat there and stared and thought, well, gee, I don't know. And the question just kind of hung in the air for a bit. And I don't remember how the conversation really ended, but that question was the question that really launched my journey into the Catholic faith, ultimately. What's more important, the Bible or tradition? Now, I would have answered back then, and I, and I grasped at the straws here to answer the Bible, because as an evangelical, the Bible was the foundation of our faith. We knew who Christ was, how to live, what he wanted from us, the, the rules, the boundaries of our faith, the, the do's and the don'ts, how to have that relationship with Christ we knew from the Bible, from Scripture. We believed it was the, the Word of God, infallible, perfect, intact, complete. All that we needed for salvation would have said was in the Bible. Now, a lot of these concepts, of course, were unspoken concepts, things that were kind of in the back of our minds, the backs of our minds, the, the framework, the lens, right, through which we saw the world and saw our faith. And this was the hardest thing for me to begin to shake. I had Dr. Doug Beaumont, a good friend of mine now, on the show way back episode four, I think, of this podcast. Amateur hour, we call it back then. It's amazing. So please don't listen. Don't go back and listen to it. Whatever you do, don't 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 go back. And we talked in that episode about the, the conversion experience, right? And it's a paradigm shift. It's what it is. It's a shift from one way of seeing the world to another. And when Dom asked me that question, I wasn't ready to shift my paradigm. I didn't even know that I had a paradigm at that point, right? And I don't think that many are evangelicals, and this applies to Catholics as well, but I don't think many people, we should say, walk around the world knowing that they have a worldview, understanding that they have a worldview. 
We're hitting against this these days with different issues of gender and sexuality, even things like gun control or abortion, right? People, I don't think, know that they have a worldview that explains or, or helps them to understand what they think about these things. Abortion, for example. Right? It, it, up here in Canada, it's a non-issue for many people. Well, of course abortion is wrong. It's, it's women's right to choose. It's a women's rights issue. But few actually realize that that is actually a worldview they're carrying around. There are other worldviews. The Catholic worldview that says, yes, it's a women's rights issue. And, and the unborn women are still women. It's a different worldview. So that's one example. But for me, in this situation with, with Dom, I didn't realize I was carrying around this worldview. The worldview that said that Scripture was the foundation of our, of our faith. That's how we knew Christ. That was the lens through which we understood everything about our faith. That lens, I didn't realize I was looking through. And the question shook me. It shook me because I hadn't really thought of that before. Where the Bible came from? Who put it together? Why was it this thing that I, was, that I believed wholeheartedly was infallible? and perfect. And what was this tradition thing? Because what I realized that Dom was getting at in this conversation was that tradition had to play some part in putting together the Bible. Because the Bible didn't just come from the sky intact. You know, I had Jimmy Aiken on the show a while back talking about the Bible. It was a great episode. And one thing that he kind of pointed out to me was that we are really handed on this tradition of the Bible. You know, when I became evangelical at the age of 15 or so, I, I bummed a ride from my mom over to the local Christian bookstore pre-Amazon days and bought this extreme teen study Bible off the shelf. Now, I got that Bible. I found that Bible because I asked the lady behind the counter what Bible I should get, right? <laughs> and that's what she gave me. I knew that the Christians had Bibles and read Bibles, and so I needed to get a Bible, right? But this is a tradition that we hand on. What makes up that Bible? What books are contained in there? Which books aren't contained in there? How we understand the, the Bible, what it is, how we interact with it. All those things are part of a tradition that we inherit, that I inherited. Now, I began going to a Pentecostal church because it was the closest church that had friends of mine from high school going to it. Thanks again, Kat. And I didn't realize that at that particular church, we inherited a tradition of using, understanding, and reading the Bible. So we inherit these things, right? these traditions. And of course, as I began to think about this question and unpack it, I did a lot of journaling, I began to read different things, I read different, beginning with kind of evangelical, non-denominational, kind of emergent, progressive church stuff about the church and about our faith and how we understand it and the role and relationship that we have with the Bible and where that should sit in faith. As I began reading these things, I realized that I had inherited that tradition. I believe the Bible was the sole root of my faith because I was part of a tradition that said that. And I began to realize that nowhere in the Bible did it say it was the sole rule of faith, that it was complete, that, that these were the books. And when I began to realize that the table of contents of the Bible isn't contained in the scriptures anywhere, well, that became an even more pressing question for me. Why, why was that table of contents? Who chose those books to be in the Bible? Was that inspired? As I began to dig deeper, I realized that nowhere in the actual scriptures themselves does it say these books belong in, or these books aren't included. Or actually, that all you need to be a Christian are scriptures. Now, that's what I'd inherited going to this Pentecostal church. And as I, as I grew up and went to university and was part of this non-denominational church where I met Dom, 
and churches in between. This was the framework that I was raised to to believe, raised to understand. But again, I didn't realize I had inherited this. It was kind of under the surface, this paradigm, this worldview under the surface that said that the scriptures were the root of my faith. And then I began to search the scriptures and find nothing in the scriptures that, that say that. Now, sure, there are verses that say that scripture is God-breathed and suitable for teaching and those kinds of things, instruction. But none of these verses, and you can find them, you can, you can find them, none of these verses say that only scripture or scripture alone, it doesn't say those things. It says scripture is useful for these things, scripture is good for these things, scripture can do these things, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that the Bible is all you need to be a Christian. And the more I read, the more I realized that the Bible came out of church communities. It came out of the liturgy. These scrolls, these letters from Paul, from Peter, from John, the, the Gospels, the Old Testament, those were read in synagogues, then read in churches, read in celebrations of the Mass, of the breaking of the bread and the prayers and the singing that the early church was doing. These scrolls, these letters, these books, these Gospels were read in those communities. And it was out of those communities that the Bible began to flow. It was eventually was collected into a group of books. And these things actually happened at, at church councils with people who saw themselves and called themselves bishops. Bishops who had a succession that came from the apostles that they believed was passed on and on and on. In a remarkable fashion that looks a lot like the Catholic Church does today, one bishop per diocese, per city, with priests under them and, and deacons in a structure that looks a lot like the Catholic Church. And the more I began to dig into church history to answer the question that Dom asked me about scripture and tradition, I began to see that actually tradition had to have played a part in putting the scriptures together. It was tradition it was a tradition of reading those books in the liturgies, of passing those books around to churches, of bishops in those churches saying, yes, this is worthy to read in the liturgy. And in that process, the books began to get codified, began to get collected, and lists were drawn up. Lists that were drawn up by Catholic bishops, nonetheless, that give us what becomes the Bible. And the, what became the Bible was eventually voted on in church councils, Right? headed by bishops, who convened that council based on the authority that they saw themselves carrying because they were successors of the apostles, duly appointed with hands laid on them right from the apostles. Now, this is a stark difference between believing that the Bible kind of fell intact out of heaven, or the Bible was somehow put together based on the will of the Holy Spirit that kind of just magicked it together without humans being involved, or even to believe that humans were involved and somehow God allowed them to infallibly collect it together, but then those same people, other things they did at those councils, or afterwards, or before, uh, weren't inspired in the same way. For example, before the Bible actually was codified, or collected, or canonized into an actual what the Bible we have today, before that happened, all kinds of different Catholic things, and those same church councils were decided. We have prayers to Mary, prayers to the saints, the idea of the Eucharist as the real presence, baptism as the thing that actually saves versus just a symbol. 
These things were, were, were discussed, were voted on, were, were made into what Christians believed in the early church in the same kind of councils that collected together the Bible. So you can say the Bible was, uh, was somehow infallibly organized by these people who, who only for a short time had that power or, or just in the context of the Bible had that power by God and was protected by the Holy Spirit to do that in this context because other things they were doing at the same councils would seem wacky to a Protestant Christian. So it becomes a confusing argument. And I, I, the more I dug deeper and explored, I realized that I had to say in some way that tradition did have a role in putting the scriptures together. And tradition, weighing the Bible and tradition, which is more important? Well, that's a kind of a hard question to answer. But what came first is certainly tradition. The scripture came out of the liturgy. Out of bishops saying, yeah, you can read that here. That's good. That was, that's, that's connected to the apostles. That's a true gospel. There are a lot of things out there. The authority of bishops and councils, right? That eventually codified, canonized the Bible. And I realized I couldn't get away from these things. I couldn't get away from the idea that tradition played some kind of a role in this. Even a small role. It had to have played a small role in collecting together those books. I began to get very uncomfortable with, with the idea. And the more I dug deeper, the more I realized that the, the notion that I had believed since I became Christian at the age of 15, that it was Bible alone, the Bible is all I needed to understand my faith, the Bible was, was meant to be the one sole infallible rule, the more I believed that was no longer true. Or I couldn't continue holding to that as being true. Because the evidence was, was fleeting, was slipping through my fingers the more I began to, to look more and more into that. And I realized that that idea, that way of understanding Christianity, was really only 500 years old and began at the Reformation. It was a new way of thinking about Christianity that hadn't existed before. And maybe, I thought, maybe it could be true. Maybe the right way of being Christian is to have the Bible alone. To interpret that Bible with good theologians and good communities, by yourself sometimes. But the Bible was the sole rule of faith. What I had to know about being Christian was all found in the Bible. Well, that was a really new way of understanding Christianity. And maybe it was true, but I had to somehow reconcile or wrestle with the previous 1,500 years of church history. And what did that mean? What about those Christians and how they were living and their lives and what they understood to be the rule of faith and how to live? Did they not make the cut? They were believing for this whole time? 1,500 years, their version of Christianity was wrong? It was these kinds of questions that stemmed from that first question that Dom asked me in his office that eventually led me into the Catholic faith. Now, maybe there are other answers to these questions. I couldn't find them. I wrestled, and I have my own journey. You have your own journey, too. For me, this was the question that really launched that journey. It shifted my paradigm. Because I began to realize that the paradigm that I was looking at the world through, the lens that I was looking at Christianity through, Bible alone, Bible as the central thing, was a new worldview, a not very old worldview, a worldview that I couldn't see in the early church, a worldview that had to, at some level, rely upon tradition to collect together the books of that Bible. And how did I know? How was I ever to know that I had the right Bible looking through that lens? If the church didn't tell me, if that person at the, at the treasure house, the Christian store I went to and had 
My mom drove me. Thanks, mom. That person didn't hand me that Bible. Where did she get it from? Well, that was tradition. They passed that Bible down. So for me, that was the question that launched the whole journey. I don't know what your question are, questions are. I don't know what your question is. I don't know what you're thinking and where you are, but it's something to think about, I think, for sure. It's a question worth pondering. It hit me really hard. It began that journey. What's more important, the Bible or tradition? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question because the Bible's, well, in the Catholic faith, the Bible is, is, is paramount. We, we do run things through that lens of the Bible. But understand that tradition is what put that Bible together. And that, too, has an important role. Anyway, that's for me the question that uh, made me Catholic. Thanks for listening. Take care. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.